Hey everybody, quack quack, welcome back to another edition of the Those Movie Dudes Podcast Show. If you haven't listened to the show before, it's very simple. Basically my friends Nate, John, and I, we're all movie enthusiasts, we all pick two films that we want to watch, and that's it. We get together, we record a podcast, and we discuss the films that we watch for the week. And last week we did a director spotlight on David Lynch, we picked two films from his filmography. And this week we decided to do it one more time, but make it a little bit different. We picked a director from Denmark, his name is Thomas Vinterberg, and the two films that we're going to be watching and discussing on this episode are The Hunt and Another Round. Uh, so slight spoilers for these two movies, you can go and watch these two films on Amazon Prime and Hulu for free if you have a subscription. Uh, they're really well worth your time, but uh, just fair warning, mild spoilers. Uh, and also, John is not a part of this episode. It is just going to be Nate and I discussing these two films. He was off on an assignment. He was saving the children. But he should be back on Mainstream Boys when we talk about The Last Duel. And he should be back on the next Those Movie Dudes episode. And we reveal what we're going to be watching for that episode at the very end. So make sure you stick around for the end to find out what we're going to be watching for the next episode. And yeah, without further ado, enjoy our discussion of Another Round and The Hunt. Directed by Thomas Venterberg. Quack. If Nicolas Cage, well, actually, before I say that, I was going to say, if there was ever a Nicolas Cage movie on Criterion, I don't know how I'd feel. Moonstruck. But there technically is one. Well, that one, too. And um, he had a small, small, small role, a background role, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, there's yeah. there's a shot when Brad is, like, yelling at his boss, and they're fighting, and there's three fry cooks in the back that all kind of like look up to see what's going on. One of them's Nicolas Cage. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> there's a very uh, yeah. famous director was offered a chance to direct Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Could you guess the director that was offered a the very job? famous director? Um, yeah, I'd say he's like, pretty famous. He's definitely famous to to me and to us. Like, um, like John Hughes. Is that what you're thinking of? Um, you're thinking too practical <laughs> this is a uh, very weird weird pick i don't know why they offered him to direct it but oh it's a him scorsese <laughs> this is not scorsese no it was uh none other than david lynch oh he was offered a chance no. to direct it and he was like i do not understand it so no i am not gonna direct it <laughs> like this is it, it's not black and white yeah there is not missing body parts and there is no crime do you know what other <laughs> uh mega blockbuster movie he was also offered a chance to direct but turned it down this is uh, in 1984 in like, or 3 probably 83 like a blockbuster movie or like one of the biggest blockbuster movies E.T. no Ferris Bueller no <laughs> it was it was Star Wars Return of the Jedi the final installment what? of Star Wars George Lucas pulled <sighs> David Lynch into his office and was like alright I want to talk to you about Star Wars and I had next door to zero interest. And he brought him up to this office and showed him what a Wookiee was. And then he's like, apparently I started to get a migraine and I just wanted like nothing to do with being in that room with George anymore. So I, I just said no. And I, I left and went and made Dune instead, which is just even more confusing. <laughs> it makes no sense. But And he showed me these things called Wookiees. And now this headache is getting, you know, getting stronger. I can't imagine David, like, Return of the Jedi, directed by David, David Lynch. Lynch. <laughs> I'd feel like there has to be, like, soft jazz music playing in the background and someone smoking a cigarette. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I don't think they had cigarettes in Star Wars, so. And if it would have been a very, 
very different movie, but I think I would have loved to see a world where we had the last Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi, directed by David Lynch. I mean, how insane that would be. But speaking of... The guy who swirls the balls. Yeah, swirls, Swirl swirls the balls, balls and does the weather report every <laughs> single day. Uh, but yeah, no, speaking of David Lynch, make sure you guys go and check out our previous Those Movie Dudes episode where we talked about two David Lynch films... The Lost Highway and The Straight Story. It's actually one of our most downloaded episodes we've ever done. So thank you for checking that one out. If you haven't checked it out already, though, go ahead and, and do so. It's a pretty entertaining episode. We talk about just the the world of David Lynch and how weird it is. But we had a good time doing that last week. We decided to do another director spotlight this week. We're going to talk about a film or a director from Denmark. His name is Thomas Vinterberg. He directed such films like The Hunt. And another round. Two Best International Film nominees. But speaking of Best International Film winners, what are some of, uh, what's actually one of your favorite Best Foreign Language Film Oscar winners in the past? I want to know what is, uh, what comes to mind. What's, what, what's your go-to favorite? One, actually two that stick out to me. Of course, Cinema Parody. So we have an episode on that one. Just kind of your classic, coming-of-age movie about film lover and love in general and just the power of film. Um, but then a secret one, I liked Black Orpheus a lot, and I don't Another know why. Another one we have an episode on, yep. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, it's just, it must have just been the right day, because just, I like the whole mythological story of Orpheus and all that stuff, so it it, it was cool seeing a semi-modern take to it. And you, we can't overlook Parasite. Like, come on. Best foreign language international film to win Best Picture? Like, who knows when that's going to happen again? It's, and I haven't rewatched it, but I've been wanting to. Same. I, I really hope it does pop up in a future episode at some point. I know we talked about that in the David Lynch episode. To maybe do like a Bon Joon-ho uh, director spotlight someday. But yeah, you know. Nope. But yeah, no. Speaking of... Uh, Oscar-nominated films in the foreign language or best international film category. We checked out two films that uh, fit that description, also directed by Thomas Vinterberg. We watched The Hunt and Another Round, two films directed by Thomas Vinterberg and starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um, I had never seen The Hunt before. I bought the Blu-ray almost a year ago, um, but I figured we could probably start with that one and then maybe cap off the episode with Another Round, just given the fact that The Hunt is a little more... Uh, a little more darker, a little more heavier. Fucking depressing. Uh, not to say that another round definitely <laughs> has elements of that as well, but uh, I figured we could uh, start with the hunt. The hunt. The hunt is a. It's a good place to start because I really don't want to end an episode like in tears. So True. like I, I would. Yeah. Let, let's go with the hunt. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. The hunt came out in 2012. It is directed by Thomas Vinterberg. It stars Mads Mikkelsen, Thomas Bo Larson, and Lars Ranth. The plot is a kindergarten teacher's world collapses around him after one of his students, who has a crush on him, implies that he committed a lewd act in front of her. Has critical acclaim all around the board. Rotten Tomatoes has a 93%. Audience scores, same, 93%. IMDb, 8.3. It's in the top 250. Letterboxd, 4.2 out of 5. So this has, yeah, critical acclaim all around. And yeah, I... I Knew that this movie had just a lot of hype around it ever since it came out in 2012. Uh, John, who is not 
on this episode with us. He's off on an assignment. He went and saw The Hunt in theaters back in 2012 and was raving about it and said it's probably one of his favorites of that year. And I just never got around to checking it out. It's actually taken almost 10 years for me to finally watch it. Yeah, no, this movie fucked me up. But what did you know about this movie <laughs> going into it, The Hunt? This is one of those situations where I genuinely knew nothing but the poster. Okay. Like, it, just that famous poster just says The Hunt, and it's Mad Mickelson looking over his shoulder. In between, like, that's all two I knew from or something. It. See, okay, I always saw that poster, yeah. and I always assumed, it's a bad thing to assume, you never assume, always makes you look like an ass, but I always assumed that it was in a courtroom, and he was, like, looking over I, I at, like, maybe the, um, the person yeah. that was making the accusations, and he was looking at them, because that scene in the movie is probably, like, this masterclass performance because everything mm -hmm. that is on the, this character is going through is just in his face in Matt's uh, performance but yeah no it was just one of those freak things it was just a foreign film and I saw it that it was on the IMDb 250 and I remember it being pretty high up if it's an 8.3 it's probably in the top 25 I would think I think it's in the top um, hundred at least that but I yeah I I knew it was kind of like a depressing kind of thriller but I didn't know hardly anything at all so it was nice going into a movie like this because I, I like depressing movies kind of if you've listened to the podcast like if it's a failed marriage you know I'm right on board I did yeah um, I, I, but yeah no it, I don't mind depressing movies especially if the story is good and like it's well executed and stuff like that as long as I'm not like I don't know. As long as I'm not bored while being depressed, then I think if it, it, it helps. If it's slow and boring, yeah, like I get that. The Sweet Hereafter because... or something like that, like the other film that we watched oh, about like that bus accident where it killed like the entire town's kids. Um, but, but yeah, no, the, yeah, the no. hunt. What did you? What did you think of this? This film from Denmark. This movie is like the definition of just not not necessarily tension, but. Yeah, I guess it would be tension because when you know that this person has done nothing wrong, but everyone around him is easily believing a child, it was making me sick to my stomach. Like, it was one of those movies where I'm looking at this child and I'm like, I fucking hate you. Like, why? Like, why, why, why did you have to do this? And... Mads Mikkelsen, he just was a broken, broken character. But in the moments where he was happy, you believed it. You believed he was that the teacher that would help kids and do all that stuff. You believe it. But just this movie took some turns and did some things that I was just, I wasn't prepared for. Like uh, the scene in the grocery store oh, yeah. made me so uncomfortable. This I was like, yeah. The whole movie, oh, no. I just felt incredibly uncomfortable as well, and it does a great job of making you feel that way as well. Because, yeah, you're, you're introduced to this character that's played by Mads Mikkelsen, who is a kindergarten teacher. He uh, accepted the job because I think they closed down the high school that he was teaching at, so he just accepted a job at a kindergarten, and he's just a like. I don't know, every kid's, like, dream teacher. He has fun at recess with them. He plays uh, football and soccer with them. Uh, he's just, like, he plays hide-and-seek. He just seems like a very, like, outgoing type of guy that you just would love to, like, I don't know, play with and hang out with if you're a kid. And then, yeah, this one girl who is uh, the daughter of his best friend in real life, or not real life, but his best friend in the movie, mm -hmm. 
um, accuses him of this disgusting act. And it's just about the town and how they reacted to it and how they chose to kind of go off this child's word. And it's just, it's so devastating because this, this could literally happen to anybody. And I mean, we've, I don't want to get too like political with cancel culture and everything, but I mean, the last couple of years, left and right, people were getting canceled just on and, rumors and yeah rumors yeah. i mean especially rumors yeah with twitter and everything and obviously a lot of them were proven to be true and some are still like in the works to try mm-hmm. to get proven and some are just like out of left field uh like i said i don't want to get too like specific on that but just we've seen the whole what cancer culture can do just especially off this this word and it's, and it's coming from a child and they even said it in the movie a handful of times they're like yeah this 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 girl has such a vivid imagination like maybe she is just you know making something up and also seeing how the adults would just kind of get her to admit things because they wanted her to say it in a way like they were almost baiting her to say what they wanted her uh, what they wanted to hear almost because like oh like that's i don't know i don't know how to explain it in a way but it was i know what you mean one part where the uh the principal of the school called in like her friend who was he was some kind of big burly man and was interviewing clara and mm-hmm. was kind of asking these kind of baby questions that like just like it's it's easier if you just say the answer and say yes so you can go outside and go play or something like that like just say it so we can mm-hmm. move on and that's why she well, yeah, I, I don't know it was weird yeah. yeah there was even a moment where the child's mom said honey it's you did see this you're closing it out from your brain because it's so horrific right. it's like and then the, why why you're setting up this child to go oh i can do this and then other like, students it's okay were that I'm doing this randomly admitting because like the the adults created some scenario and then was asking the kids like did this happen and then some of the kids just said yes because I don't know why not they were being interviewed mm-hmm. and they were scared so maybe they just said yes so they could be let go I don't know but just the fact that like yeah like this literally could happen to anybody and the truth could get so skewed just with word of mouth and things changing and it just destroys someone's reputation in the town and just everyone around them like he like lost uh custody of his son like he's his son couldn't even come over anymore like his his girlfriend left Mm -hmm. him like he just lost his job i mean he couldn't go to the grocery store anymore he just got his life turned upside down for something that never happened and the one thing that kind of just was Mm -hmm. infuriating to me about this was he wasn't standing up for himself as much as I would like him to. Like he definitely kind of was just like, not he didn't really brush it off, but he was just kind of he like accepted it. He kind of accepted it. It was like uh, he's like, uh, this is weird. And he kept on saying like, "Do you think I did it? Do you think I'm a rapist? Like, what do you think?" And so like, I wasn't sure at one point in the movie, I'm like maybe he did do it. I don't know because I think the movie definitely wants you to to just kind of be like questioning it as well, but. I think the evidence was there that like, yeah, he was very innocent, but I liked how the movie definitely made you kind of question your own reality at times just and how he didn't really like defend it as much as I think he should have at times. But that one scene in the grocery store, when he finally did stand up for himself, I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. Headbutt that fucking asshole in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That was awesome. And it's just his character. He just, and I think that was probably a big part of it. His character was also, he was outgoing with the kids, but I feel like as a person in general, he was maybe a little passive. That's just kind of the vibe I was getting off his character. But 
the way that they turned on him super fast. Like he goes in to talk to the principal and she like runs out the door and runs out into the field and is like, stay away from me. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah. like won't even give him the time of day to talk to her. And it was just infuriating me because yeah. it felt like people were getting involved that didn't need to be involved just because. And I thought a red flag would have went up when all the kids started saying the same exact thing. Well, yeah, like that yeah. that's also like it can be bad, but it can also be like, well, if they're all saying the same exact stuff. Maybe it was planned kind of thing. But and I, I love that scene. Just, I mean, mild spoilers. That was an, ultimately ended up being like how they were able to prove his innocence was that all the, the common thread in the story was that they were all in this basement. And he's like, we don't I've never had a basement ever. Like, there is no basement in my house. That was a great feeling. Was a best, when that happened. Yeah, best scene in the movie. Yeah, the friend is like, we got good news. Like your father's on the way home in his taxi cab because they all said the something about like a red basement or something like the son immediately was like. We don't have a basement. <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> looking good. But yeah, that was a great oh. scene. Cause like, thank God. Because yeah, like I said, at one point in the movie, I was like, wait, did he do it? Because I fucking hope not. Because if they go that direction, I'm gonna be very disappointed. Because just the natural performance that Mads Mikkelsen gave, I just cared so much about his character, and just I felt the devastation on this character. And like I said, we mentioned at that scene at the end of the church. When the Ugh. kids are doing like the Christmas Carol, my heart was going. Yeah, like, and he just was uh, in tears. He was crying. He looked over and saw the friend, and the friend just looked at his face and just knew he was innocent. And I love that scene mm-hmm. so much. It was so powerful. And yeah, like you said, it just like goosebumps almost. It was a really, really um, well executed scene. Yeah, and he made his friend like in that whole situation, his friend felt so guilty because he's looking at him as he's like punching him saying, what do you see? Nothing. And it's like, Oh my God. Like this guy's like for that time being had lost everything, his reputation, his wife, his son for a part time, his friends and everything. And he just went over the top. And that was probably like the best performance I've seen from him just because he knows he's allowed to go to that church and that's the only place where he feels like he can have some sort of comfort yeah, in a way. And yet it kind of ended badly. But when he like gets up to leave and he sees the wife talk to the friend, you know, something's going to happen because he calls her out. He's like, oh, do you have something to say? Why don't you say it to me? Yeah, because and he was yeah, cleared of heart the crimes. Was racing. He was, yeah, he was cleared of his crimes like in a court level, but uh, the town still had the stigma around his name of like, oh yeah, he, he may have shown his penis to this girl. And so he still was being treated horribly, even though he was exonerated. Mm-hmm. I mean, no crimes were committed, obviously. And um, the, the town still yeah. was like, no, this guy's a fucking pedophile. Like, fuck him. Yeah, that was, that was sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was well executed because... Like you said, it made you think because some of the ways he asked people if they thought he did it, he's he's it's almost like he was avoiding saying, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He was trying to feel out if other people thought he was. And so I can kind of see why that yeah. would feel like, oh, there's the slim chance that he might have done this and we just didn't see it. But. Yeah, because yeah, I wanted him to grab little... everybody and just shake them. It's like, no. Yeah. Where's the evidence? <laughs> Show me the fucking yeah, like, evidence. 
like that big guy, the big tall blonde guy who was like kept pushing him away. I'm like, dude, you have nothing to do with this, and I hope you feel like shit now. <laughs> and by the end, when they're having that like get together for his son with the the hunting and stuff like that, and he's like shaking hands with all the people and they just say hi. You see, some of them are still kind of unsure, but must be false because they went through the court system and stuff like that but it led to something that i kind of saw coming but it didn't take the effect away i was like holy this movie just left me on like a really shocked note (laughs) i really liked how kind of in the middle of the movie another kind of slight spoiler mads mickelson's character gets arrested and then the movie shifts focus to his son, which you haven't really seen in the film Ooh. yet. You just kind of have him in uh, just on phone calls with his dad. Um, he just has like an audio character, essentially. And then he shows up in the film, like, yeah, like right in the, in the middle when his dad goes away for like 20 minutes or so. And the movie becomes the son's film. And the son is kind of going around and, and seeing his dad's friends. And I love that scene when he gets invited inside um, the girl who accused him, like his, that, the family's house. And he's yeah. sitting at the table, and they're all having like this holiday get together, and they're trying to talk, and uh, he just like snaps at them, and he like even spits in that little girl's face. He's like, "Why are you doing this to my dad, you little bitch?" And then he gets in that fight with the guy yeah, that's like, twice the size of him, and... with the big burly dude that escorts Mads out of the uh, school in the beginning of the film. He gets in a fight with him, <laughs> like this this kid is relentless. Like yeah. he's just like doing all he can to stand up for his dad. And I'm glad that we have somebody doing that standing up for this character because I just felt like jumping through the screen so many times to do it. Yeah. So when those scenes happened, I was very relieved. I'm like, Oh good. Like we we do get some of this kind of emotional payoff of just being angry and letting it out because yeah, because the whole time it's just like, you want to scream. It's like, this guy's innocent and this girl just didn't know what she was saying. I mean, she just like in a way she was almost like pressured into saying it, but yeah, I don't know. It's it was a very powerful movie, and especially in the sense that like this could literally happen to anybody. And I think it is based on yeah. a true story of this. There's like an actual case that went happened that's extremely similar to this. I, it may even be in Denmark. I'm not quite positive on mm-hmm. the details of that. It wouldn't but, surprise me yeah. to be honest. Like something like this could be case. easily misconstrued. Right. But like the the thing that made it really hard was the fact that he and the little girl were close. Like they were actually close because yeah, he walked her, to her father is his best friend. And yeah, walked her to school when the parents were fighting, like they held hands on the way to school. And I just, I wondered if, because he, he didn't reciprocate. Cause this is also kind of a spoiler, but it happens in like the first third of the movie. So it doesn't really spoil anything where she, kisses him when like all the kids like tackle him on the floor when they're getting ready for lunch or yeah, whatnot she jumps on top of him. and she puts the thing in his yes and she kisses him and the whole movie i'm sitting there going i wonder if he's feeling guilty about that if he's afraid to say something because then that would like throw yeah. his case well, that's initially when the teacher pulled uh, him into the office it's like oh we need to talk about something like he kind of seemed to like already know what was coming. He's like, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, Clara kissed me because she just, I don't know, had this crush and didn't understand right from wrong. I told her, I corrected it. We're all good. But then she was hinting that like, yeah, like she like, there was some like more sexual stuff involved. And he was just like, he didn't say anything. He was just like, that's just, I think his response was like, Oh no, (laughs) like that's not good. 
Like that's yeah. His, his yeah, he's like, like, wait, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, but yeah. you know, the uh, the principal gave away who the kid was. Like she completely breached hmm. uh, confidentiality. Yeah, she was going because when he goes to like. Yeah, and he went to confront her, and he, she just turned around. And she's like, "Claire is a sweet, innocent girl." And then you see the look on his face, and he knows exactly that situation. And he's like, "No, no, no, no!" But of course, at that point, it's too everyone late. started turning on him. Yeah, so it, it it eventually did kind of pay off in his favor, but not without not without pain and suffering because. Imagine just being that person in your town that's just being looked at all the time. You can't shop in a store. Um, people attack you, and then they get mad at you and tell you to leave. It's like, I just got assaulted. But then again, in that situation, it would probably be different. I don't know how I would react kind of thing, but I think it was told really well. And like I said, it just kind of left me with a shock at the end with everything that had happened and it, it it did its job it was very successful at what it was trying to do because i was heartbroken um but mads mickelson is a phenomenal actor and he just he conveyed pain but also kind of hope uh because he still had his son and that was a good addition because if it was just him being harassed by a bunch of people and he had no support, then it might not have been as rewarding. But since he had his son, who was barely not in it a whole lot, but who was standing up for him, and he had those friends from that hunting club, it was nice that he at least had some people to back him up. That way he wasn't completely alone. But definitely it packs a punch, and it pissed me off. It made me want to hate children for the rest of my life. Uh, so I'm giving this one a four and a half out of five. Just it was a beautiful looking movie, as well as well directed, and there were moments that were just very difficult to watch. Yes, I one hundred percent echo everything you just said. It, this movie, I was kind of just blown away by. It was probably one of the fastest two hour films I've seen in recent uh, time. It, it flew by for me, and like I said in the beginning, like I don't mind slow movies, especially or depressing movies, especially if like the performances, the directing, the script cinematography if that's all on point then no issue for me and yeah this movie had all those things going for it uh i loved mads mickelson's performance he just gave such a just a nuanced raw emotional performance uh especially that end scene in the church just elevated the film to to no other so i am very pleasantly surprised by this film uh i blind bought the blu-ray for like 10 bucks last year and i am actually very happy that i did because this isn't a movie that warrants a lot of rewatches, but I could see myself revisiting this again down the line just because of how great Mads Mikkelsen is and how great of a filmmaker Thomas Fitcherberg is. So I will match your four and a half out of five. This is, if I saw this movie back in 2012, like with John, it probably would have made my top 10 for sure. Uh, it's just a very, very powerful film. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it is on Amazon Prime. So go and check it out. But just know it's a little sad, it's a little intense. <laughs> but it does it does a great job with what it's trying to do and i i keep reiterating oh, so the end had me had me kind of shook i was like okay yeah that's that's what should have happened right there i did want to <laughs> tell you this i told this to john uh on the spencer recordings i just finished the hunt um so the yep. ending uh, of the hunt 
you have Mads Mikkelsen mm-hmm. in the woods. He's just looking at the elk or whatever deer he's he's hunting. And then a bullet flies by, hits a tree, and he like ducks down and like looks up, sees a guy on mm-hmm. the hill, and he's just running. He runs off. The movie ends. There is an alternative ending on the Blu-ray. And I was like, oh, okay. I played it. And it's this, it starts right at the scene where Matt Smogelson's by himself kind of walking down the hill in the woods. He sees the deer, gunshot, but his chest explodes, and he falls to the ground. And then you look up, you see the hunter kind of up on the hill, runs off, and then it cuts back to Matt Smogelson's just lifeless body, dead. And the movie ends. And I'm like, thank fucking god that was an alternative ending because if that was the real theatrical ending i would have been pissed I, yeah that movie just would not have worked as well because i i just i don't know if i would have would speak to another person for 48 hours i just would be so drained emotionally <laughs> if that was the end who do you think did it yeah that's the other thing i have an idea uh yeah it was a, i noticed it was like a skinnier guy so but yeah who, who i who think I think it was the little girl's older brother because they had that sweet scene at Christmas where she's like putting nutcrackers or something on the display and he starts crying. Mm. That's and true. Yeah. Like, I was then this to when my sister, yeah. And when they're doing the whole thing with uh, his son at the hunting thing at the end, as Mads Mikkelsen's character is sitting there watching, he's looking around the room and he makes eye contact with his best friend's son. Okay. And the son doesn't look pleased. And so I'm like, he probably still thinks he did it. And it fits the um, the, the build of the character that was kind of a silhouette on the hill with the gun, yeah. So I love the actual ending where the bullet misses, it hits the tree, and yes. he's just like, I'm really never going to be safe in this town ever again. Mm-hmm. Even though I've been cleared of Much everything, better. I am never going to be safe. And that alone is even more impactful, I think, than if it just shot and killed him. I mean, that would just, yeah, it just leaves a terrible taste in your mouth, but... Kind of the the dread of just this guy just he's always going to have this over his shoulder and it's just heartbreaking. But uh, do you want to get into the prequel of this movie? Yeah, the either prequel <laughs> or sequel. I mean, he does have some grayer yeah. hair in this version, and he has the same group of friends. So yeah, we can uh, we can get into the next film from Thomas Vinterberg. It came out last year in 2020. It is called Another Round. Uh, this one has a plot, basically, like all movies do. All movies have a plot, uh, unless That's it's David good. Lynch. It does. Um, but this one's about four what? high school teachers who consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how it affects their social and professional lives. This this one stars Mads Mikkelsen, Thomas Bo Larson, and Lars Ranth. Uh, same exact cast from The Hunt. Critical acclaim, just like The Hunt, has 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. 90% audience, IMDb, 7.8 out of 10, Letterbox 3.8. So it's a little bit lower. Yeah, what's up? Oh, I just, I, this is, it's going back to the hunt just for a second, but I'm looking at your thing, and the last question you put for the hunt was, who would you recommend it to? And you just wrote kindergarten. Yeah, so they can think about their actions before they say anything <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm like, I'm just scrolling down through going to another round, I'm like, what's this question? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, we yeah, to it, I want, to, I want, this, I want kindergartners to see this movie so they know that their actions have consequences, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, continue, sorry, <laughs> I just noticed that. But yeah, though, this, uh. this one, um, yeah, it's about the four high school teachers that are going off this theory that they found out, that the theory here is that we are all born with 0.5% less blood alcohol content than we require. Uh, studies show that it loosens nerves, calms anxiety, and increases confidence. So all these teachers decide 
to you know, spice up their boring lives as kind of like middle-aged teachers and consume alcohol, 0.5% BAC, uh, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday, nights off, weekends off, the only drink during uh, professional hours, which is just kind of a funny little twist to it. Um, but this movie came out last year, and it was one of my favorites of the year. I think it was my number three of 2020. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I just thought that the directing was amazing. I thought Mads Mikkelsen gave a great performance as well. And I knew that you and John had missed this movie. So, I, uh, you know, it also pairs well with The Hunt. It's the same actor and director and writer. So what did you think of Another Round? <laughs> exactly. It, this one was a pleasant surprise. Just because it still had its serious moments, but it had a, a lightness to it that just, it, it was a little easier to watch compared Much to easier. The Hunt. Because <laughs> The Hunt, yeah, it, this one you could just kind of sit back, the subtitles weren't as convoluted and fast, so it was much easier to follow. Um, and it's it, it's a funny type of subject. Like, I never would have thought that a movie like this would exist where people just try drinking um to see how their performance goes and it was actually really interesting because they went through all the different steps like minimal blood alcohol content and then they had to push and see what their limit was but then of course that leads to other things that could happen and i thought it was really well done just because he had such a great character arc he just went from being just kind of a quiet boring history teacher and then with this little experiment it's like he was reborn again like he found what he had loved originally and i thought that was kind of cool yeah i i definitely liked what this movie had to say about alcohol because at times it glorifies it and at times it shows its true colors and i like that this movie mm -hmm. has a very up and down relationship with alcohol because that's just how it is i mean that's just what the that's what alcohol does it's it's a drug it's addictive and I love the whole... It doesn't promote it or or turn you against it. It kind of yeah. allows you to make up your own mind about and it. it. But it also it celebrates it as well as it shows just how much how damaging it can be as well. So I, I liked that the movie didn't really pick a side and it wasn't preachy. It just kind of just unfolded its story the way it was. And I, I definitely appreciated that. Um, but I think what I loved about this movie the most, and even on a second watch it even kind of solidified it is just the ensemble here because the hunt is really Mads mm -hmm. Mikkelsen's movie and it's his performance and he's excellent has a great supporting cast as well but this one here is more of an ensemble obviously Mads Mikkelsen yeah. is at the centerpiece here and he's kind of our main character we follow but I loved how this movie also showed the different guys in the in the friendship and uh how they're all they're, um they're different jobs and one's a, I think a music teacher the other one's a psychology teacher uh, I love the uh, the gym teacher guy, the coach. The coach. He was probably <laughs> saying uh, he was the best friend in uh, the hunt as well. Thomas yeah. Bill Larson. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, he had some great scenes, especially when he was uh, coaching on the soccer field, and the kid forgot his water. He's like, "Can I? Can I have a sip of your water?" He's like, "No, no, no. You can, you can't have this water." <laughs> He's like, "Hey, you. Four eyes. Hey, yeah. you. Give, give him some water. A sip. <laughs> <laughs> give Spex some, yeah. some water." He's like, "Why don't you give him some of yours? Because I told you to give him some of yours." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. But oh, that specs that that was funny because that was just you kind of see that coach's character's art right there because at first the kids kind of didn't listen and just kind of went and did their own thing and then that kid who was kind of the outcast 
became the star. Like he scored that goal and whatnot. Oh and yeah. So when all of them were there that, watching that the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. And they're like, you're the greatest coach of all time. And he just holds up his water bottle. It was just like, yeah, he's drunk and you parents don't know yet. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And Almost gave it away though, with hiding his bottles in the freaking gym. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. When they decide to increase the alcohol content when they go up to 1%, like, even when I watch it the first time, and I feel like anyone else who's watching this movie, the second they say, like, yeah, I think we need to increase it, right after they almost got caught and almost lost their yeah. jobs, like, their next scene was them up in that room being like, you know what, maybe we should go harder, because this is, this is working. <laughs> and that seemed a little stupid, and it ultimately ends up being a very stupid idea, because one of them, the coach, kind of just goes way too hard and uh, has a bad relationship with alcohol, and it kind of then destroys everyone else's lives around them, but... Uh, I wish they maintained the 0.5% because I loved how it really worked for Mads Mikkelsen's character. Like he became more confident when he was teaching history. Like I loved his whole teaching methods that changed, like how he had the three cards with the different historical figures, which one would you vote for? And then the third one's obviously like, it sounds the most appealing, but if they'd done their research, they would know that that's Adolf Hitler that they voted for over Winston Churchill and uh, some other famous uh, FDR. FDR. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a great scene. I just, I love that he was more, more engaged and stuff as well uh just yeah a little more loosened up but yeah and each each of the friends they had their own little arc with someone else um so like mad mickelson had his history class like specifically that like blonde kid who would like talk back originally and then ended up liking his teaching style um the one i liked was the i think he was the music teacher yeah who the kid couldn't study or he couldn't focus or whatnot. And so he walks over to him and he goes, what, just take a shot before you come in, see if that helps you relax. And then they're in the testing room and he goes, Hey, why don't you yeah, have a sip of your water? Drink, drink, <laughs> drink up. I'm like, the other teacher's like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But he's just like, okay, sure. And then he, he goes on flawless, but it, it was nice seeing those payoffs like where he sees him and he's just like, Oh, I passed with this grade or something like that. And so you actually see the, the good outcomes from this whole experience. But then of course the good also comes with the bad. And unfortunately it, it, it kind of hits some really bad spots for some of the characters. And it's like with him and his wife and that whole situation and yeah, what happens with his, his friend, friend and boat. everything. Yeah. It's yeah, that was hard. That was hard just because you could see it at his home. His home got very dirty and they'd talk about something. He'd immediately go for a drink. Mads Mikkelsen would be like, no, we're, we're okay. And he'd be like, Oh oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, exactly. You could see what was happening right there without them having to say it. Yeah. No, I, I definitely like that the movie did include some of the more down parts of alcohol for sure. And they, they don't just exploit it uh, like they do in the first half. Because the opening scene, I mean, how much fun does that look? I mean, a bunch of teens just gra- oh, graduate yeah, the beer yeah. run after, after <laughs> they finish uh, uh, their senior year of school or something. And then, yeah, they handcuff the police officer on the train and they're just like mocking him. And yeah, just binge drinking. I like that that movie, the, the opening kind of set its tone. And then the ending. I was so caught off guard when I first saw it. It was very, it was a very like, 
like dreamlike in a <laughs> very way magical because they hint at it a little bit at the very in the beginning when they all go out to dinner and they have that scene at nighttime where they're all kind of going around the table talking it's got a 10 minute scene towards the beginning we kind of learn a little bit about the characters and they hint that Mads Mikkelsen is this like professional used to be a professional dancer and stuff like that and they tried to get him to dance and he's like nah i'm not gonna oh do like it. a yeah, jazz exactly. dancer yeah. Mads Mikkelsen yeah. in real life used to be a professional dancer and he's good friends with the filmmaker thomas vinterberg so they both wrote this whole dance scene in the film because they were both curious if Mads Mikkelsen could still dance as well as he could and apparently he spent like i don't know like four hours a day for like six weeks training and he choreographed the whole dance himself and i guess the dance is representing it was a riot like losing oh, control man. regaining it then losing it again like it's supposed to kind of encapsulate like his whole journey throughout the film um with mm-hmm. his dance and uh, knowing that and watching it a second time it actually made the whole sequence all the more entertaining because yeah it's like a, a six minute dance sequence that kind of comes out of nowhere <laughs> and i remember very freeing very freeing yeah <laughs> i remember when we did our episode best movies of 2020 i was like yeah it has this ending that I would say would rival La La Land for an epilogue. <laughs> I'm still serious. Oh, it's just I like, remember you saying It comes that. out okay. of nowhere, and it yeah. just when it finally does wrap up and end, I'm like, damn, like that was really entertaining. That was so fun. But also, like, that was also very sad at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Just the fact that it, it, he had to go through this entire journey just to be able to express himself and be like, just be me kind of thing and be happy about that. And it it was nice to see because you see all the seniors like pulling up in that truck and then all the teachers run out from the restaurant and stuff. And like, he walks out with his arms out everyone starts freaking out. It was, it was just nice to see like characters that didn't mesh at first. And then the students respect their teacher. It was just, it was nice to see that. And then the thing with his wife also made me feel better because you guys know I love failed marriages. Of course. Yeah. Um, and this one, it, it did it well because it also left you with a little bit of hope, which also he's like, oh, I have hope that this is going to work out now. And then he goes off and does that dance. So it all worked really well together. Like, and the music that they did for it. And I'm sitting there watching it going, would they have had a stunt double do this dance? But then I saw him doing all those moves. All like, him. Yeah. No, that's Mads Mikkelsen. Like that's fucking like awesome. uh, he should do something at the Oscars, like do a live performance or something. He should have. <laughs> yeah. Back when this was nominated and, and uh, yeah, this film won the best international Oscar uh, back in uh, March or April, whenever the last Oscars was. So this is the most recent best international winner uh, that we're covering right now. Another round. And um, well deserved. So, a couple of behind the scenes tidbits. One thing that you just mentioned was the song they used at the end. I think it's called What Is Life, is the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, a random story that I read about was Mads Mikkelsen used to pick up his daughter from like these parties back in the day. And this kid was with her, like dressed in this like 60s outfit or something, and he just was drunk yeah. out of his mind. And Mads was like, okay, you know what? I'll give him a ride home. Give him a ride home. And apparently this kept happening, like, for months. He always <laughs> would run into this kid at this party with his daughters. Like, okay, I'll give you a ride home. He's just drunk out of his mind. That kid was the lead singer for that song, What Is Life, that they use at the end. And it just was a full circle oh, really? random, like, what? 
This kid I used to give a ride back is the the song I'm going to do this whole dance sequence to. So that was kind of funny with Mads Nicholson. And on an opposite end, on a very, very tragic and sad story, Thomas Vinterberg's daughter was supposed to be a character in the film. She was supposed to be one of the daughters of Mads Mikkelsen's because I think he has two boys in the film. It was supposed to be a boy and a girl. The girl was supposed to be played by Thomas Vinterberg's oh, yeah. daughter. Four days yeah. into filming this movie, she died in a car accident. I guess there was a texting and driving. Uh, some guy who was texting and driving head-on collision into her car and killed her. Uh, four days into filming this film. And so he left for like a week came back and finished this film because this daughter of his was championing this film so much. It was like, I love the script. You have to make it. Like, I want to be in the film. Like, it was just like, Dad, you have mm-hmm. to make this movie. And he did. And unfortunately, she passed away four days into filming. And it went on all the way to win an Oscar. So I think that's just a very kind of touching thing about this movie as well. It's mm-hmm. like, he brought his fucking A game because he had to. You just, you have her in your heart and in your mind, and you just, you know that you have to push through and do this, and it it was very well deserved, because this movie was very entertaining, the music was great, and the arcs of all the characters were just really well done, because it showed that alcohol affects everyone differently. Like, there were moments where they'd talk about what's happening and they'd say they want to go up. And then the best friend, instead of being like, well, maybe not. He just goes, that's exciting. I like that idea. (laughs) They were just like, so on board to keep going. Um, And I liked that they put that no drinking at night kind of thing. I don't know if I could do that because like the audience doesn't know, but Spencer knows sometimes I can go overboard. <laughs> I have a very, I have a very hard time stopping. Like if I'm going and then I stop drinking, I feel like I'm getting sober. You were the quick, only so I person drinking. I know that has almost finished a 30 rack in like four hours or something. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm sure someone listening to that, like, Oh, that, that's, that's pussy shit. But to me, like that was just, that was insane. I've never witnessed something like and that. That. That, was a, that. That was a fun night. And I, I didn't throw up. That Which that was the best get, part. But I have like four like, Bud Lights. I, I'm sick to my stomach. So yeah, yeah. I just remember sitting out on the porch of his house, and everyone's like, "Where's Nate? Where's Nate?" And I remember uh, Brad's girlfriend Charlotte was just like, "Oh, he's out here. He's just sitting on the porch. <laughs> yeah, <he's> just chill." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm yeah. I'm just really, really drunk." <laughs> Yo, oh, I'm, I'm matching my hunt grade. I'm giving this one a four and a half out of five as well. Like. After I watched these two movies, I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, Thomas Vinterberg is just one of those directors. He's like, he could be a modern master of it. He knows the craft. And I'm not as big on, like, the production side as you are. You've got more experience with that. But you can just see the master class at work as the shots are going through, the way the story's told some very unique cinematography on some things. And then that, that final dance, like who else could have come up with that and have it be as entertaining and uh, rewarding as it was. And they did it. And so that's why it gets a four and a half out of five. I'm glad it won the Oscar. Um, it's nice to see kind of an, uh, not a, an uplifting movie, but a movie with hope kind of get what it deserves. has some op- optimism um, despite what happens. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it it shows all aspects of what could happen and it, it doesn't tell its audience, no, you shouldn't drink or yeah, drinking's okay. It's just like, control. it's good. Yeah. Just have control, moderation, 
um, and don't be stupid. That's basically what I would say. Just don't be dumb. And that can be kind of hard because this is the guy who jumped out of a rolling vehicle on his 21st birthday into a ditch filled with water. So take my advice with a grain of salt. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this, this movie still, uh, on a second watch, I still liked it just as much. I had just as good of a time with it. Uh, I, I loved the, like I said, the ensemble of the characters this time around, instead of the focus kind of just being on Mads Mikkelsen's character, you have kind of the, the group of friends going through the same journey that this, that our central character is going through as well. Um, and yeah, the performances are great. I think Thomas Vinterberg is, a, does a great job of getting just these very natural and like raw performances out of his cast because he reuses the same cast. I mean, there's the same people from the hunt uh, and I don't, I haven't seen them really pop up in other films um, other than Mads Mikkelsen. And that's hard it's to do more like, mainstream, I guess, because he was Hannibal Lecter on NBC for a long time. He, he's yeah. been in some other films as well. Um, he's in Rogue One. Yep. Yeah, exactly. He's in Rogue One. He's the Dr. Strange villain. I mean, he's, he's yeah, I forgot made his about way that one. into yeah. uh, American films for sure, because he's that good. He is one of the best, I think he's in my top 10 favorite actors. I think he is just that good. You haven't seen a film called Arctic. It's, it's just him no, in the Arctic. I, I've heard and of it. And it's so good. And his performance is once again, just amazing. So do you, do you see him ever winning an Oscar? Yeah, of course. Because he's definitely that I, caliber of I think an he actor, should have but... at least been nominated for The Hunt. Um, yeah. I'm surprised that he wasn't now that I've seen the film because yeah, we've had other act, um, actors from foreign language films sneak in. I mean, Javier Bardem, I think, got a nomination for a film called Beautiful that was a foreign language film. Oh, um, with like Penelope Cruz and, yeah. and stuff. Amour okay, is another film that came about. out at the same time as The Hunt. I think that was the film that beat The Hunt. Is a film called Amour. And that actress has yep. got in as well for Best Actress. So, yeah, I mean, it happens for sure. I just would like to see Mads Mikkelsen finally get an Oscar because I think it's well-deserved. But, yeah, no, another round. It was one of my favorites of 2020, and it's still just as good on another round. I realize I stretch with that pun, but I am <laughs> not taking it back at this point. I am going to match my first grade and your grade, four and a half out of five. Another round. It is ding, ding, ding. very, very good, <laughs> and it is streaming on Hulu. So if you have a Hulu subscription... Definitely check this one out and check out The Hunt. Check out other films from Thomas Vinterberg because I certainly want to see more of his films because these are the only two that I have seen, but his other films don't have that much acclaim. But anyways, yeah, can't wait to see what he does next. Well, yeah, no, it, it, it was nice because I had never heard of him and I'd, I'd heard of these movies, of course. So it's, it's nice going into a different realm, not really knowing what to expect. All right. But... So we just did two back to back episodes that were a director spotlight, a David Lynch director spotlight and a Thomas Vinterberg director spotlight. Uh, let us know what other filmmakers you'd like us to do another uh, episode on, because these director spotlights are actually a lot of fun to do. They're fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely kind of like comparing and contrasting. Uh, different films from the same filmmaker kind of to see how they maybe evolved or grown or maybe you know didn't uh, so it's it's mm -hmm. definitely fun to kind of look at two films from the same director so let us know if you guys have any filmmakers uh, you'd like us to cover because there are so many out there that could definitely fall into a director spotlight down the line um, but we are going to go back to kind of the basics of just picking a double feature that we think would be nice and suitable. Uh, this is not a director spotlight, but you can probably guess the common thread here. Um, so I asked you to come up with a film, uh, just pitch a film that you wanted to watch and I was going to match it. So what was the film that you, uh, you came up with? So I, I kind of stuck in the Oscar realm a little bit. Um, I've always been trying to check off every Oscar film. That's my goal someday is to have seen them all. Best picture winners. Um, and the one, 
Best Picture winners, yep. And this one is an 80s one. I have never seen it, and I'm actually excited to check it off. It's a sports film uh, called Chariots of Fire. Um, I've heard about it. I, I don't know a whole lot about it other than descriptions about the Olympics and whatnot, but I'm actually really excited to check this one off. Um, cause honestly, anything with sports I'll watch just because it has that natural competitiveness, which brings tension, which brings excitement kind of thing. So I'm, I'm looking forward this, to it. This movie, like the only thing I really know about this movie is the iconic theme song that opens the film. Yeah. With them all running on the beach. And like, that's literally yeah. the only thing I know about this movie. Obviously they're runners in the Olympics and it's, there's going to be more to it, but uh, I'm curious to know how many times they use that song because you can guarantee that song will make an appearance on the episode next week because of how iconic I'm going to say at least twice. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. It has to <laughs> open the film and at least end the film. Come on. Um, but yeah, so you pitched the Chariots of, or Chariots of Fire, a Best Picture winner that had a you know sports theme. So I went with another Best Picture winner that has a sports theme. Uh, it's another film that I have not seen. Yes, I have not seen this film all the way through. And I'm shocked. I've I'm seen very bits shocked. and pieces from this film, but not all the way through. I own the Blu-ray. So, caution, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the movie. Don't get mad now. It is Rocky. I have oh, never God. seen Rocky all the way through. Oh, I've seen Rocky IV. I've seen Creed. Go. I've seen Creed II. I've seen Rocky Balboa. I have not seen any of the Rocky films. So I cannot wait to finally check out Rocky on the podcast next week. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a uh, double bill sports themed those movie dudes episode. Hopefully, oh, John. Man, I'm actually <laughs> excited because Rocky is just one of those feel good, uplifting sports movies that everyone needs to watch. Oh, I'm I'm pumped. I'm so excited that we're watching because it's it's going to be a nice little break for me. I've seen it, so I like it'll be nice to just sit back. What watch it's gonna be that's gonna happen a lot. If our intro song might just be a bunch of Adrian, Adrian, Adrian. <laughs> two iconic theme songs Those. too. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, I forgot about the rock where he's running, yep. and that's funny, like. I know you haven't seen the movie, but there's a ad lib thing where he's running and someone throws an orange to him. Okay. <laughs> it was just a normal guy. All right. I'll, but we'll, I'll we'll look for we'll, it. Next we'll get week. into it. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. It's 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 worth yeah, it. So come back next week on the podcast feed to find out our thoughts on Rocky and Chariots of Fire. And while you're on our Instagram, make sure you give us a follow. Check out all the mini reviews that Nate is posting. And check out our stories. We do little polls. You guys can decide what films you watch for mainstream boys, all that fun stuff. Uh, so yeah, give us a follow at those movie dudes and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. That is it. But don't follow us in real life because I'm not a fan of stalkers. That would not be fun. No, that'd be a little scary. Uh, don't throw a rock through my window and leave my dog in the trash bag either because that was that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, okay. I forgot, I, you know, I could have went all episode without remembering that, and now that you have, <laughs> I, I almost said it. In the, the I almost said it when we were talking about it, and I was like, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But I, I brought it back. Right, anyways, okay. That was. A- That was a cute dog. Damn it. Now I'm really sad. Can I walk, Fanny?